everybody. Today uh, I'll be reading First Peter chapter two verses four to twelve. And you can open up your Bible or turn on your phone or tablet and to uh, to read along with us. to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because the word, they disobey the word as we are destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. This is the reading of his word. here 12, 9 to 10 years ago, uh, stumbled in for Jeff as well on, I forget, he was on a conference or something. But it's a pleasure and privilege to be here, uh, delivering the Word of God. And uh, my name is Paul. I'm just always grateful for the opportunity to preach the Word. And, uh, and uh, thank also Pastor Jeff for sharing a little bit. Uh, let us pray together. Uh, as we look at his word. Holy Father, we praise you, God, for your mighty and awesome God, creator of the universe, the one who was and is and is to come. And yet, God, you're the loving, tender, gentle God, who is so gracious with us sinners who do not deserve your grace. But yet, God, you have demonstrated that grace so abundantly in your son, Jesus. Um, just thank you for the songs that we sung, and uh, just 
but reminded us of your tremendous love for us. We pray that you do the same by the power of the word. Pray that this word would be uh, used by your spirit to penetrate our hearts and minds and even to the marrow. So that bless the time we have now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's see if this works. There we go. We're looking into First Peter chapter 2 today, and we're going to talk about gospel encouragement. Um, the definition of encouragement, if you look it up, um, action of giving someone support, confidence, or hope. And then I made that, I guess somebody else has used it before. I just made this up. Like gospel encouragement is the action of giving someone support, confidence, or hope with the good news of Jesus Christ. But I think that makes a big deal of difference, what you encourage people with, or how you're about to encourage people. Uh, hopefully, and we will look into that today. So who needs encouragement? We all do. That's a rhetorical question. Uh, everyone needs encouragement. From the youngest of us to the oldest of us, we all need some encouragement sometime. Right? When we learn to walk, and most of us probably don't remember it, Right, you, you as a parent, you need to encourage your children. Oh, you can do it, you can do it. Just one step or just keep coming and you or entice them with something and they'll come, hopefully, to you. And uh, so the cheering on by the parent is a type of encouragement. And we, or when you're older, you have a bad day, so everything seems to go wrong, and you just need someone to let us know it's going to be all right. Tomorrow will be a new day. And or we have a tough project at work or some tough task ahead of us, and we just need someone to remind us of the scriptures, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Or when you're disappointed, maybe you've failed a test, or you've bombed an interview, or the girl you asked for the problem already has a date. Um, we need someone to tell us that it's not the end of the world. Or maybe it's more seriously, like you get seriously sick, or worse yet, if someone you love gets seriously like, sick, you need to be reminded that um, God is still in control. Everyone needs encouragement sometime. Encouragement for the big things, but also encouragement for the little daily, everyday things. And uh, not only do we want to be encouraged ourselves, we want to be able to encourage other people with this gospel encouragement. So my favorite movies of all time are the Lord of the Rings trilogy, followed by Harry Potter series. And I can and I have watched these over and over again. And uh, when you watch them, or better yet, when you read the books, what you, the theme, one of the things that come across really clearly is the theme of friendship uh, and, and encouragement that comes from friendship. You see the main characters that the, they, the task they accomplished would not have been possible except for the encouragement they received from their friends or people around them. And the example that comes to mind straight away is that of these two. Oh man, they didn't work. Frodo and Sam. Right, Frodo Baggins and Samwise Gamgee. No, you're not familiar, and I, I think you're all familiar. Uh, Frodo's mission was to bring the one ring to Mount Doom to destroy it. Right? A seemingly impossible task, a perilous journey. Every, every step he goes, it just gets harder. It's very discouraging when you're reading it. Like, it, you just when you can't get any worse, it just gets worse. But Frodo was only able to succeed. Now Frodo's the, on the left picture, Frodo's the one on the right, and Sam's the one on the left. Frodo was only able to succeed because he had Sam with him. The encouragement Frodo got from Sam helped him to keep going when he was scared, or when he was in trouble, 
or it so, felt so despairing that he just wanted to give up and just slide her. But the ring became so heavy that he just couldn't move on no more. And at that point, at the end point, uh, Sam, because it was so heavy Frodo, Sam had to carry Frodo on his shoulders, like on the right picture, just to keep going, get the mission, uh, to continue to finish the mission. And so maybe you feel like Frodo in your life right now, with metaphorical orcs chasing you down, and every step you go is harder than the previous one. Or maybe you're Sam walking with a Frodo, right? You know somebody who's going through a tough time and needs encouragement from you. And the, uh, the reality is the Christian life is not a simple walk, not a simple task. Right, it's not easy. And the Bible is very clear that it's not easy. And if I tell you it's easy, don't believe him. Right? There will always be there will be challenging times and times of discouragement. Right? Jesus almost promised you us there will be tribulation. Uh, but don't worry. Uh, he has overcome the world. So we want to get encouragement, but we also want to be able to give encouragement to others. And how do you do that? That's why we're looking at First Peter today. First Peter is a letter of encouragement. The Apostle Peter wrote this letter to a series of churches in Asia Minor to encourage them in their Christian walk. And we're just going to look at chapters, chapter 2, 4 to 12 today. But if I encourage you to read the whole, whole book, the whole book is to encourage these Christians to walk the Christian life, even when it's hard. And he gives specifics how to do that, you know, as husband and wife, as slaves, as people of the empire. And... Um, and Peter's encouraging these Christians, and they're a special type of people, right? Peter calls them sojourners and exiles in verse 11. And I can, I'm, I'll be, take the liberty to retranslate that as, you know, like, uh, refugees, migrants. Right? These people don't belong where they are now, but they're there. They're not happy about it, and people around them aren't happy about them either. And so it's, it's tough to live like that. But they're stuck. That's where they are. And, but, the, the cool thing is, I guess, cool in some sense. God put them there. And so what are they going to do now? What are we going to do now as we're in where we are at? So these Christians are having a hard time. And uh, so let's see how Peter encourages them. First, the gospel encouragement comes when we come to Jesus. So that is from verses 4 to 8. Right? By the way, we see here, Peter says, as you come to him, as you come to him. Peter rightly puts the focus on Jesus Christ. And that is because um, the Christian life is all about Jesus. And um, gospel encouragement also needs to focus on Jesus centrally, who he is, what he has done. Because that is the basis for how we encourage people and how we ourselves get encouraged. Uh, Peter talks about Jesus as the stone that was rejected by men and chosen by God. So I want you to see that, right? The words chosen and precious are repeated uh, on purpose. Because the Christians felt like they were rejects in society, Peter reminds them, you're not. Chosen and precious, chosen and precious, just like Jesus. And uh, uh, if you've ever felt this thing of rejection, know that Jesus has felt it too. Right? His own people, the ones he came to save, rejected him. Rejected him to the point of 
arresting him, mocking him, uh, flogging him, and sending him to the cross to die by Roman hands. So for the Christians Peter was writing to, that's them, right? Rejected by men, but chosen by God. And for them, Jesus is Lord and Savior of those rejected by men, but chosen by God. Jesus is the living stone, rejected by men, and chosen and precious. Right, let's just let those words sink in your mind. Right? Chosen and precious. That's Jesus, yes. But through Christ, it's you. So, okay, I'm sorry. I skipped through that. All right, so just watch here. Uh, junk or treasure. Uh, there's a saying, right? One man's thought is another man's treasure. So here, just watch. Somebody bought it for in England for 25 pounds. I forget what year now, 2013? At uh, something like a garage sale type or flea market type. And, uh, but the guy who bought it recognized its value. Right? It turned out to be the one worn by Sean Connery in the James Bond film, Thunderball. And so he got it auctioned for uh, 100,000 pounds at auction. Right? Just because somebody doesn't recognize your value or its value doesn't mean it's not valuable. Right, just, just, it's just an aphorism problem. He can't see value. So, how much are you worth? Right, like the Christians in Peter's day, sometimes the world around you makes you feel worthless. Makes you feel insignificant. Right? And it's very discouraging when you feel that way from other people. Um, and, and when, you know, like when people ignore you, when they don't pay attention to what you say, when they discredit your work, it's awful feeling that way, and, and you're devalued. But the problem is not with you, per se, unless the problem is really with you. But I'm going to assume it's not. The problem is not with you. It's with them. Their valuation basis is wrong. It's off. They don't have the eye to see what's really there. So the guy who bought the watch from the garage sale, he, he saw the value, and he recognized it, and he got his reward for it. And I want you to know that God sees your value. And at the end of the day, it's God's valuation that matters. And, and do you know how I know God, sees, God values you and sees your value? Because he sent his son Jesus to save you. He used his, the blood of his son to rescue you, to redeem you. But that is valuable stuff. Don't see yourself as any less. And, uh, and even when the world fails to see your worth, that's because they fail to see Jesus' worth. So God sees it. God knows it because he got placed, got placed the value in you. So like Jesus, you are chosen and precious. So Jesus is the precious cornerstone, and now we are little living stones built on top of him or with him, and together we form the temple, uh, the spiritual house, where God dwells, where we gather together to worship, and God receives our sacrifices of praise. That Jesus is the cornerstone, and I'm very glad I picked this verse, because that's the name of our church, Cornerstone. Right? Every time we say the word Cornerstone, remember Jesus, and he's where on whom we build this church. So. As you come to him, back to verse 4, the precious cornerstone, that's where you will find encouragement. And actually, actually um, not only did Jesus know and understand your feelings, 
of rejection. He understands everything you're feeling and going through. But as a matter of fact, he came to earth in order to be one of us, to experience earthly life so that he can um, sympathize with what we've gone through. So that's what Jesus did. He came to be born as a baby, lived his life, although a perfect life, and so he has, he's able to become the high priest who also knows our suffering. And, uh, and this is why the gospel is such good news, right? When we do what verse 4 says, as we come to him, when we actually find that Jesus is, has come to us, okay? That's an amazing thing. When you go to Jesus, what you will see is that Jesus has already come to you. And that is the good news. That is such good news. Um, that the perfect Son of God should come down to be one of us, to understand us and be our substitute, to die on our behalf, so that by faith we can be given life. Right? That is the good news. And this Jesus identifies with you. Right? You have a rough day. Jesus had rough days. You've been rejected by other people. Jesus has been rejected by other people. You ever feel lonely? Jesus felt lonely. You ever been betrayed? You can bet Jesus was betrayed. You ever feel others were out to get you? Jesus really had people out to get him. Like the truth that Jesus is with us when we suffer and going through, uh, it's very real. And it's very personal for me. Alright? Uh, I'm going to share a little bit. Uh, 2019, I went to a uh, pretty aggressive uh, radiation and chemotherapy for lung cancer. Right? Um, I'm a non-smoker, just to, just to be that clear. It's just one of these things, right? So, but every time, you, know, you lie down on the table with radiation, and in the, you can't see the rakes, you can't see the radiation, obviously, actually, but you, 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 in your mind, in my mind, I'm playing, right? I'm just being zapped, like, you know, Superman lasers shooting at me. But every time I lie down on the table, naked, unfortunately naked, get, getting zapped by the radiation, right, it's, it's, it can get pretty sad, okay? But what um, I would picture every time I lie down, close my eyes, I would picture Jesus, right, on the cross, naked, um, bleeding and suffocating for me. So my little x-rays, there's nothing. Right? And he knows. He has lied down there. He has been exposed. He has been zapped, so to speak. And same for, uh, so my, my suffering is minuscule compared to his. Not only that, he knows the pain better than I do. And same for chemotherapy. Right? This poison they put into you so it will kill the cancer, hopefully it will kill you in the process. And I picture Jesus also willingly taking in my sin. Not to cure his things, but to cure my things. Sins. And uh, he knows full well what's going on. When, he, when I'm taking in the poison, hello, what are you doing? So when you're suffering, and you need encouragement, you picture Jesus. Think of Jesus. And Hebrews tells us, fix our eyes on Jesus. Right? Hebrews 12, 1 to 2, super familiar many of you. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. We're going to go back to that later. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. This is the NIV. I like this translation better than the ESV, which means it just is looking at Jesus. That's not intense enough. I want to say fixing our eyes on Jesus. 
That's what we need to train ourselves to be. If you want to be encouraged, fix your eyes on Jesus. Um, so that's Hebrews. Just one more tidbit as we go back to verse 4. As you come to him. So we focus on the words as you come. Right? And the context of is worship. It's a corporate coming. But the you is plural in the Greek. Um, and our coming to Jesus is in the context of the body of Christ. So this gives us a clue also, right? Encouragement comes from the body of Christ. It's not you alone going to Jesus. I mean, that's good. Do that. But we come to Christ as the body so that we are encouraged together and then we build one another, we encourage one another along the way. Okay? We're supposed to find encouragement in the body of Christ. And that's why we stress the importance of the local church, the importance of coming to worship on Sundays. But even for those online, I'm thankful you're online with us, right, this is where you hear and receive the word of God and the, and the, uh, on supper, that's the encouragement for you, this is where you hear about Jesus, this is where you see others walk life with Jesus, and almost, you know, from a, a plug for small, do a life groups, join a life group, right, that's where we get to pray for one another, know what's going on in each other's lives, and care for one another, and receive and give encouragement, and the importance of forming friendships, uh, in the church. I mean, it's nice to see you, and I'm only in six months. I don't know half of you. I would like to, uh, eventually, but, but don't come where we are once without my memory is very bad. One or two at a time. But I would like to have this fellowship so that you can encourage me and I can encourage you. Okay, so enough plugs. So, that's, so encouragement comes when you come to Jesus. Second, Second, encouragement comes from knowing who you are. There we go. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. As Christians, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ defines us. Right? It gives us our identity. So don't let the world tell you who you are. Because they constantly do that, right? We're bombarded by things telling us who we are, what we should do, who we should be, who, who you want, who we should want to be, don't listen to them, okay? Listen to the God who made you, who knows you better than all others, and who saved you by the blood of his precious son. He's the one you should listen to, okay? And um, so we look at who does God say we are? Well, from the verses we read, we are... You yourselves, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. Right. So, Peter says, you, we are the temple of God. And in those days, as in nowadays, like, temples are very important to the deity that's worshipped there. Right. And for God, his temple is very precious to him. And then further on, Peter says, you are, plural you now, chosen race, royal priesthood, his holy nation, a people of God's own possession. And I apologize, I'm not going to have time to go through each of those phrases, and if you give me another hour, maybe, but I don't want to do that. So suffice it to say, you are specially, specifically chosen by God to be his special people, possession, temple. Okay? Know that you're chosen by God, loved by Him, and He has very 
glorious purpose for you. Okay? Remember who you are. Remember whose you are. Uh, because when you face discouragement or disappointment, that's the first thing that gets attacked. That's the first thing you forget. That's the first thing you doubt. Right? When something bad hits you, oh, God doesn't love me. Or God's not here. Or God's too busy for me. Right? Those are the lies. Right? Don't listen to them. Right? Listen to what God tells you in the scriptures. Right? Jesus himself was not above receiving that encouragement. Right? About his identity. Right? As you read the Gospels, twice the Father speaks out loud saying, Jesus, you know, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Right? At the baptism and at the transfiguration. Now, of course, the, uh, in the context, right, these two instances were spoken for the sake of those around Jesus to hear aloud. But Jesus heard it too. And Jesus, and Jesus received encouragement from these declarations. Right? And, and I imagine uh, Jesus was, was encouraged to hear his father saying, I'm the, the beloved of God. Right? And because if I was Jesus, if God says out loud now, you know, Paul, beloved, hey, that's me. Okay? The beloved of God. And, um, and I'm not sure how my kids feel when I introduce them to other people. I don't, act, I don't usually say, this is my son whom I love. With whom I love, please. There's nothing wrong with that. Right? Asian cultures have a tough time saying, I love you, my son, or I love you, my daughter, I love you, my wife, I love you, my friend. So that's when American culture is pretty cool, right? You get to say that. But, but Asians, right, when we say it, we mean it. So I still get a little weird when my sister says it to me. But, uh, but it's a good thing, right? So if, because if, if God did it, it's a good indicator that we'd be doing good things and we did it too. Right? We're not better than God. So if God can say he lost his son in front of other people, then you can go ahead and do it too. So encourage your kids, encourage your friends, encourage your family, tell them you love them. Right, because you don't know how many opportunities you get. And tell them God loves them, God cares for them, that they are also God's beloved children. So encouragement comes from knowing who you are. Third, encouragement comes when you know your calling. So here, you, my brothers and sisters, we have a calling from God. Uh, every believer, actually, is given a glorious purpose. And I'm stealing that from Loki, uh, from NCU, if I may. Right? I think that's a very appropriate phraseology. Right? Christians, you have a glorious purpose. Right? And one struggle some of us may have is, you know, we, we, maybe some of us at this point in life, we, we lost a sense of, purpose. We lack direction. We want to know exactly what, you know, God, tell, us what, tell me what, you want, what should I do next. Uh, or you're confused, not sure what to, what's the next step. And, um, and verse 9, or Second Peter tells us, well, that's not verse 9, but back to verse 9, uh, Jesus says, uh, Peter says, that we may declare the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Uh, that's why you are the chosen nation. That's why you are the holy uh, royal priesthood. So that you may declare the praises of him who, de- who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Uh, that's one purpose for you. To declare with your life, with your words, the excellencies of him 
who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And then 11, uh, Peter urges his readers and us to abstain from the passion of the flesh which wage war against your soul. He says to keep your conduct honorable. And the result in verse 12 is that so that they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Right? So that you, so that people, unbelievers, may see your good deeds and glorify God. But that is the result. Uh, that in your life, even, God will even receive glory uh, from non-believers by your good deeds. That is a glorious purpose. And how do we do that? Right? How do we abstain from the passion of the flesh which wage war against your soul? That means, you know, staying away from the desires of the flesh that are contrary to the spirit and, and, and lead you to sin. And there's a, there's a host of these listed in scripture, and Peter gives a short list in chapter 4, verse 3. Uh, you probably won't turn to that, but Peter says, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. That's just a very short list. So those are the, some of the passions of the flesh that wage war against your soul. And to wage war is a very aggressive term, right? Um, they, it, it threatens your soul. Right? These passions, they want to kill you. They want to take over your life. No prisoners, right? And, and Peter says, abstain from these things. Instead, instead keep your conduct honorable. Right? Live holy lives. Let your life exhibit these good deeds so that God is glorified. This is glorious purpose. Right? Encouragement comes when you know this purpose for your life. Now, of course, it's very general. Right? It doesn't say, you be a doctor, you be a teacher. Right? God doesn't do that. Because he's a loving father, he lets you do what you want to do, if opportunity allows, right? So you have to be wise and know how to apply this for you, right? Other than, right, short on time here. Right, so for example, like I said, this would look different for a teacher, or a lawyer, or, or, or a pastor, right? The way this works out is different. And if you're a 10-year-old boy, or you're a 45-year-old woman, or 70-year-old man, that would be different too. And so, uh, the good thing is, even though God doesn't give us one definitive path like that, God gave us the body of Christ. So we're going to go back to, you know, we can work this out, we don't have to work this out individually by ourselves. And sometimes, it's, it's tough working things out by ourselves, because we, we say one thing, and then the next day we feel something else, and we're all confused the, next, the, the third day. And so that's why we come together, we have brothers and sisters to help us along. Right? Encourage us to go one way or another. And we, the good thing is to uh, figure this out in community with other believers. And here we, again, we go back to Hebrews 12. Uh, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. That sounds like Second Peter, right? It's not First Peter, right? And let us run and perseverance the race marked out for us. Right? Glorious purpose. Leave the sin behind. And sin is, like Peter says, wage war. Hebrews says that uh, hinders and entangles. Right? It's the same thing. Abstain from those passions. Pursue the glorious, godly purpose. So, uh, 
But what you also see is the beginning of this, right? Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, right? And we see that we're not encouraged to live holy lives all by our lonesome selves. That is not the way we do it. Because we're setting up ourselves a failure if we want to do that on our own. Okay? We are encouraged when we see other believers pursue their glorious purpose. Right? We're encouraged when we see our brothers and sisters abstaining from the passions that we struggle with. And so their example encourages me. And also, the other way, your example encourages them. Right? And so this, this is surrounded by great crowd witnesses. It's, it's the examples of the Christians who've gone before for the Christians who come later. And so that sort of fits in with the church theme, right? Generation, generation. Right? We need older people to set some examples for the younger ones. Hopefully we set, I'm the older one, okay? Hopefully we set good examples. But they're negative examples too. You can learn from those. But hopefully older ones, we set good examples. Okay? And we all encourage together by example. Right? That's why, again, shameless plugs, right? Small group, life group, youth group, so important. You see other people, you see their examples, and you let other people see your example as well. And, uh, and of course, all this is only possible when we fix our eyes on Jesus. So I hope we can see the, the glorious purpose in all this. Right, this is the way God wants us to live, person to person, generation to generation. We are to encourage one another with the gospel of Jesus Christ to follow him and pursue God's things together. So are you, or are there people in your life now that needs your encouragement? Or are there people around you now um, that can do some of that? So, be a Sam to the photo around you. Or if you prefer, you can be Gandalf or Aragorn or Gimli or Legolas. Whatever your friend, your, your, your photo needs, you be what you can be. Right? Maybe you're not an Aragorn. Right? I'm not good with swords and stuff like that. But I'm a Gandalf. Right? I know stuff. <laughs> right? You be who God puts you be. And then you encourage people by who you are. And maybe sometimes you need to carry a uh, carry photo. So, the like Bible says, like, carry one of those burdens. And if you have to carry the whole person, then as God empowers you to do it, right? Do the same. Tell them and remind them about Jesus, the one who loves you and calls you out of darkness into marvelous light. Tell them that they are God's chosen and beloved people and that God has given them in you a glorious purpose. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for you're the amazing God who not only gives us life, but you're the God who is close to us and, and walks with us and encourages us every day as we walk with you. And we thank you for the people you put around us to walk with us to encourage us. And now that we pray for your power, that we may lead that to uh, our friends and our family who may need encouragement now. Help us to be sensitive to the Spirit's leading. Help us to be sensitive to the needs of uh, those around us that you place in our lives. And empower us, Father, to encourage them with your gospel. Remind us first about Jesus so that we can tell them about this wonderful, marvelous, loving Savior. And that in him, we are valued. 
we are special and chosen by God and that we together share a glorious purpose. So Lord, we are just unbelievably grateful, God, that we can be your people. And you would choose to call us by your people and that we can call you our God. And uh, we pray these in Jesus' name.